Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. (laughs) Bonjour. Thank you for joining with me in this moment here and now. I'm grateful that we get to gather together. I am grateful and thankful that there is an infinite intelligence that unites us. Can you tell I'm getting ready to pray? Oh my gosh, just love to pray. <laughs> Let's do it. I place my hand on my heart and I am grateful and thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self, grateful and thankful that love is, that God is, that we are part of God eternally. So grateful and thankful that our holiness is intact. It is indestructible. We are grateful to open our hearts and minds to the highest possibilities of love, healing, and transformation. We open ourselves now to the fullness of our healing. We are grateful to relinquish the blocks to love. We relinquish the self-deception and the causes of fear. We call for a healing to dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause, any and all false beliefs. We are grateful to honor the truth that is part of our identity. We are grateful that the truth sets us free. It liberates us from the false beliefs. In gratitude, we share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with all because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. Yes. All right. So our topic this week is fear and self-deception. And uh, I can sense and feel and see, in a, in a sense, uh, why I was guided to this topic for us today. And uh, with things in the world, there's a lot of energy for years now for us to come clean with ourselves. Uh, In the Manual for Teachers, Chapter 4 is the characteristics of God's teachers. And number 3 is Tolerance. And here's what Jesus has to say about tolerance. God's teachers do not judge. To judge is to be dishonest. For to judge is to assume a position you do not have. Right? You don't have the vantage point from which you can judge correctly. You don't have that. We don't have that. So, that being the case... Here's something's happening with the birds out there. <laughs> that being the case, we since we can't see through all directions of time and space, we don't know what the causes are and ramifications are of everything. So we don't have the ability to judge fairly, accurately, righteously, 
right? So judgment without self-deception is impossible. Judgment implies that you have been deceived in your brothers. How then could you not have been deceived in yourself? Right? First, there's the self-deception. Judgment implies a lack of trust. Right? We don't trust spirit, so we've got to make up our own judgments and opinions. We've got to make our own decisions about things because we don't trust spirit. Makes sense. Judgment implies a lack of trust, and trust remains the bedrock of the teacher of God's whole thought system. Let this be lost, and all his learning goes. Without judgment are all things equally acceptable, for who could judge otherwise? So we won't have trouble accepting that everything works together for our good when we have no judgment. When we have no judgment, we'll have trust. So you could say that in each moment, it's a choice between love and fear. But it's also a choice between trust and suffering. Trust and truth. The truth liberates us. It sets us free of self-deception. The truth sets us free of pain because pain is a wrong perspective. So this is why, for me, I have found my spiritual practice is grounded in let me value the truth. I see now it's Blue Jays. They've got something going on here. Um... Trust in spirit, even when I can't see in all directions of time and space. We keep trusting and trusting and trusting, and then we find, ah, now I have an unshakable faith built out of my choices to trust. Judgment implies a lack of trust, and trust remains the bedrock of the teacher of God's whole thought system. Judgment destroys honesty and shatters trust. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn. So that's one of the things that I used to tell myself all the time. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn. You can judge or you can learn if you're not willing to learn from your mistakes keep on judging because you won't (laughs) i tell you i make mistakes every day and i would like to learn from every single one of them without exception oh my goodness yes i do not wish to self-deceive anymore now fear and self-deception go together And judgment is impossible without self-deception. So first, we deceive ourselves into assuming a position we do not have. That we have the capacity to perceive fully what everything is for. But we don't. We don't know what everything is for. But it all works together for our good. That's all we can know. 
but we don't know precisely, oh, I got fired from that job, so I'd be available for true love over here. Oh, my spouse uh, cheated on me so that I would leave and go follow my destiny. It's Life is filled with things like that. If we're not actively following our dreams, if we're actively playing small, if we are actively living in lack and attack and limitation, then life is going to push us. This is what Spirit says, or Jesus says, in the development of trust section. Remember, trust is the foundation of the teacher of God. And in the development of trust section, Jesus tells us that changes are always helpful. Always. Always helpful. Never not helpful. Right? And that we are going to go through a period of undoing. Undoing all our attachments to the things that cause our pain and suffering. So we're going to have things that we're clinging to taken away from us so we can realize we're hurting ourselves with them, right? A lot of us, we're clinging to relationships that are special relationships and our attachment to them is causing our suffering. And so those relationships will be broken apart if we aren't willing to transform them into holy relationships, if we are choosing to make decisions that keep us playing small, Spirit's going to make it extremely uncomfortable for us and perhaps even rip the mechanism for our playing small away from us. might be our house burns down, might be a flood, it might be a pandemic, it might be something going on in the world that we realize, you know what, that's not the best job for me. You know what, that wasn't the way for me to go. If we lost our job, if we lost our business, if we lost our home, if we can be willing, just willing, that's it, only truly willing to see that everything, works together for our good, then we can stop deceiving ourselves and we can stop living a fearful life. Self-deception always brings fear. Always. In in the the section uh, before tolerance, so I started with tolerance, the section before that, after development of trust, is honesty. Honesty is the second characteristic of God's teachers. And he tells us that honesty is really constancy or consistency. And he says, once we've developed trust, then we'll develop the rest of the characteristics of teachers of God and only the trusting can afford honesty for only they can see its value 
Only those who have learned to trust can see the value of honesty. If we don't trust, you see, then we are attached to our judgments, which are completely and wholly self-deception. So trust is the bedrock. Trust is everything. It's why in my classes I say, read the development of trust every day for a week, and then once a week thereafter. So, that development of trust, and different sections of the development of trust, so there's the, the period of undoing, the period of sorting out, the period of relinquishment, the period of settling down, the period of unsettling, and a period of achievement, right? All these different periods that you go through. You can go through them concurrently, so at the same time, more than one at the same time. You'll see it's a spiraling. And ultimately, you get to the place where you're so grateful you were willing to develop trust. I see every day more and more now how my capacity to trust relieves me of fear. You know, I finally signed a lease for a year on a house that I knew was for going to be put on the market for sale. It had been on sale for years and years, maybe six years, quite a while. So I figured, well, it's not going to sell anytime soon. They're not reducing the price. Boom. They had an offer in 10 days. What? <laughs> So now I have two months' notice uh, that I'll be getting. I haven't gotten it yet. And then I have to find another place to live. It's like, dang. I finally, after all these years, signed a lease for a year because Spirit guided me to. But Spirit guided me to. So I know I can't be doing the wrong thing. I know there are no mistakes in God. That Spirit has my back, my front, my sides, the top and the bottom. So I'm in trust. So I'm not worried or afraid, even though I have no idea where I'll go or how it will work out. I trust. I trust. Trust is an active practice. Same with willingness. These are active practices. doesn't mean I don't wonder how it's going to work out. And it doesn't mean that I'm not opening my mind to see what the possibilities are. I'm letting people know, hey, I'd like to stay in this valley and I'd like to find a place to live here because there aren't many houses in this valley. It's a sacred healing place that I've been coming to for the last 14 years and I I really get, oh, I'd like to have a house here. I'd like to have a house. And... Uh, I don't have the funds to buy a house right now and things like that. I don't have the funds to put down a down payment right now. Even if there was a house to buy, I would buy this house. I would love to buy this house, but I don't have what it takes. So spirit has got to find something for me so I can keep doing this podcast, teaching my classes. It's got a place with the Internet. It's got to happen. So, of course, it will. And I'll be real curious to see how it works out. 
But in the meantime, I'm in trust and faith, not fear. Spirit always provides because I'm not imagining spirit won't. I, I, I get out of the way. I allow. You see, this is what my Finding Freedom from Fear boot camp is about. It's about learning how to live this way. In the honesty section here, it says, Only the trusting can afford honesty, for only they can see its value. Honesty does not apply only to what you say. The term actually means consistency. There is nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. No act belies your word. And no word lacks agreement with another. Now that to me is a tall order for me personally. Because I see every day where what I say and do contradicts I'm sorry what I say contradicts what I actually think and do and how do I know when that contradiction is occurring I feel irritated I say I want the peace of God and uh, in this moment I think it should be different I don't fully accept what's happening right now I'm uh, I want it to be different, which is because I think it should be different, which is my judgment, which is my self-deception. Because if it were supposed to be different, it would be different. So I haven't accepted and trusted that what is occurring in this moment is for my good. I've decided no. This is not the highest and best. This is not for my good. I want it to be different. And that's the inner conflict that I feel, right? So that's the the point that Jesus makes in this section on honesty. And it's beautiful. It's just two paragraphs. He says, That the truly honest are consistent in thought, word, and deed, essentially. He says, at no level are they in conflict with themselves. Therefore, it is impossible for them to be in conflict with anyone or anything. I look forward to that, and I am willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. And when I get annoyed and frustrated... And I feel a need to tell anybody about it and make them responsible for it. This thing that you're doing is upsetting me. Then, oh, right there, right there, what am I doing? I'm blaming them for how I feel. I'm subtly trying to make them responsible instead of taking total responsibility. This is a tall order for most spiritual students. They have to, most spiritual students have been trained to talk about their feelings and to go to people and say things like, when you do this or that, I feel this or that. When you 
when you don't empty the dishwasher, I feel annoyed and frustrated that you don't respect me and you don't really love me. Well, to me, it's like, well, that's the meaning you're making of it. I am not in control of the meaning you make of things. But if you want to, if you'd like to say to me, hey, can we make agreements about the dishwasher? Um, how about if I empty it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you do it on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday? We just, we just do it together. How about that? Okay, that works for me. All right. Now we have an agreement. Nobody has to be frustrated. If you don't keep your agreement, I don't have to be upset. I don't have to interpret it as, you don't love me, you don't care about me. I can just go to you and say, hey, today's your day to empty the dishwasher, so I wanna, I've got these dirty dishes, I want to put them in. Can you empty the dishwasher now? Or would you like to trade days? You want to do my day tomorrow, and I'll do your day today, and then you'll, I'll do two days in a row, you do two days in a row, because I see how busy you are. Can I help you with that? Or I'll just do it. What, what would work best? Not blaming other people for our feelings. So important, so valuable. It is a self-deception to say, you made me feel this way. What you did made me feel this way. No, no, your thinking about it made you feel that way. And uh, we don't have to discuss our feelings with everybody. I, I'm not for stuffing feelings, but I, I am for taking responsibility. And there is a thing sometimes with spiritual students where they want to talk about their feelings with you rather than just take responsibility that it, it really has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you at all. You can just go right to, hey, when you're late, I don't appreciate it. And I'm wondering, can we make an agreement about being on time? I really, being on time is important to me. Uh, when you uh, don't tell me what time you're coming home, I, I'm concerned for your welfare and I know that's my thing, but do you feel comfortable making an agreement, letting me know what time you're going to come home by, like, 8 o'clock? Does that feel reasonable? If not, what what does feel reasonable? Let's just ask directly for what we'd like and recognize that people may not wish to organize their life the way we'd like. But... This is where the the self-deception comes in that we think that other people cause us to feel things. That is one of the most pervasive self-deceptions. And this is what Jesus says to us here in the honesty section of the characteristics of the teachers of God in chapter 4 of the Manual for Teachers paragraph 2 here he says the peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience is largely due to their perfect honesty 
I aspire to it. It is only the wish to deceive that makes war. It is only the wish to deceive that makes war. No one at one with himself can even conceive of conflict. Conflict is the inevitable result of self-deception, and self-deception is dishonesty. There is no challenge to a teacher of God. Teachers of God have no challenge. No challenge. That's what I'm interested in. Challenge implies doubt and the trust on which God's teachers rest, secure, makes doubt impossible. Therefore, they can only succeed. In this, as in all things, they are honest. They can only succeed because they never do their will alone. See, and that's one of the themes of my life is put spirit in charge, spirit cannot fail. Follow spirit's guidance, you cannot fail. It works. It really works. And so let's stop deceiving ourselves that we've got a better plan than God. And every time we feel agitated, aha, I think I have a better plan, a better understanding, a better perception, a better judgment than God. I love the divine alarm clock that goes off within us to let us know we are in self-deception. That agitation is always fear, 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 whether it's sadness or hurt or anger or resentment, whatever it might be, it is an expression of fear. And it always comes from self-deception. So clear. So concise. God is good. (laughs) Well, it is time for me to go to a break. I am Jennifer Hadley, and you are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we are living the love, we are walking the talk, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Here we go. (laughs) So, self-deception is another name for judgment. When we deceive ourselves, we're going to feel off balance, off kilter, because we know no good can come from self-deception. We're just delaying recognizing what's what. And we also know that we're setting up ramifications of our self-deception that will increase our pain and suffering. So when we deceive ourselves, we are attacking ourselves. We are wounding ourselves. We are guaranteeing that we will not be living a life of joy. Jesus tells us in the Course, you can learn through pain or you can learn through joy. It's much faster, much easier to learn through joy. 
Learning through joy is remembering the truth that sets us free instead of having to recognize it again, to go through some challenging experience that helps us to recognize what the truth is. We can just remember it so much easier. How do we go from having to experience and recognize the truth in order to remember it versus just remembering it? Willingness. That's the only difference. So I've, I've learned for myself that willingness really is the only thing that's required. So for instance, if I'm having a difficult time in a relationship with someone and I'm thinking, oh, I should have a conversation with them to change their mind about this and I should tell them how I feel and that what they're doing is making me feel this way. I don't know if that's their intention. If I start thinking about having these kinds of managing conversations, managing the relationship, I'm not trusting the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying we should never talk about how we feel. But let's look at what is our intention in having that conversation. Are we totally taking responsibility? Because the guilt and the blame can be so subtle sometimes. You know, I know you don't mean to hurt my feelings, but when you don't remember to call me, it's hard not to think that you don't care. The whole purpose of that is to make people feel guilty and ashamed and bad. Why would we want to do that? Because we want to push them away. So what happens? They feel pushed away. We're not pulling them closer with that kind of conversation. We are pushing them away. And then we get mad Because they go further away. And then we try other things to be manipulative. Like, oh, I'm going to go out of my way to be so helpful to you now. Try and win you back. I can see you kind of got pushed away. So I'm going to now do this to make you like me again. And show you I really am a nice person. But look, you need to know that your things you're doing are hurting my feelings. I get it. I get it. But we as Course in Miracles students, we have to take the higher road and not play these relationship and emotional games anymore. And it's so easy to deceive ourselves that that's not what's going on But it is. And, you know, you can tell the nature of your choices by the fruit that they bear. So if the people are feeling more and more like they'd like to be apart from you, distance from you, they are feeling like you are 
difficult and challenging and they're trying to escape, maybe you had something to do with that. And you can say, look, I'm just trying to be honest. I'm really just talking about how I feel. It's, it's, that's what your counselor is for a lot of times. And I, I can feel I'm going to get some flack for this. It's okay to talk about your feelings with your spouse. You know, oh, I'm getting so triggered. I feel so upset. But there's a way that we can do it where we really are not blaming them. And until we're 100% sure that we're not blaming them, which usually it's best to wait till we're over it, till we've moved through the emotion of it, and we're definitely not manipulating them to say anything. Oh, remember last week when you did that thing? Oh my gosh, I got so triggered. I got so triggered. It's not that we have to keep it all in, but maybe you can tell somebody, oh, I'm getting so triggered by this. And I know it's totally my responsibility. I need to change my mind about this. It's not their fault that I'm getting triggered. They have nothing to do with my triggers. And I've even had that kind of conversation with people. Say, I'm getting so triggered right now by this, and I just want to run away and shut down, and I'm like spinning inside. So I don't know that I can talk about this right now. It's not your fault that I'm triggered. I'm just really, really super triggered right now. And I can see that I feel like I'm failing in this relationship. I'm failing. I'm drowning. And that it's on me. It's totally me. It's not you. I just, I feel overwhelmed by my thoughts and my feelings right now. So I think the best thing for me is to take a break and not try to explain it or talk about it right now with you. Um, Let me come back to you. I think I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah, I think we're going to go for a walk and take a bath. And then I think I'll feel uh, uh, better and not um, just dump it on you. It's okay if I take a break right now. I mean, we learn to have conversations like that. And we can learn, you know, just get away from me right now. I'm feeling toxic. I'm sorry. I don't want to spew my stuff on you. I love you too much to do that. I just need some space, and I need to be in the kitchen right now. So please, if you could just leave the kitchen, I really, really would appreciate it. Please don't take it personally. It's just me. I got triggered. You know, when we can say it like that, it's so different than saying, look, it's not your fault that I got triggered. It's not your fault that it bothers me that you do this all the time. It's not your fault that I get so upset every time you do this. I know it's not your fault. I know it's the way I'm thinking about it. But right now, I would just like to drive a knife through your heart. So get the F away from me, okay? And then you see how there's blame in there. It's, it's not your fault. That's the words. But the truth is, that person is like, it is so your fault. It is so your fault. And that's why I want to kill you. Because it is your fault in my mind. <laughs> oh. To me, being able to honestly tell people, I'm triggered right now. I'm having a challenge right now. I need help right now. Um, I, I need to withdraw right now. I need space right now. Whatever that is, is honest communication without blame. And 
if we're not honest with ourselves about the real cause of our upsets, our depression, our anger, our hurt, I am thinking of doing a class, an intensive class. I'm so loving doing this Stop Playing Small Retreat. OMG, OMG, never did an online retreat before. Loving it. People are like, bing, 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 bing. Breakthrough, 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 day after day. It's fantastic. I am so glad that Spirit said do it. Because I was skeptical. I was very skeptical about whether or not my retreat style would work online because I don't um, I don't lecture. I mean, I do give some kind of interactive lecturing, but that's not the main focus of my retreats. My retreats are all experiential, and I thought, oh, how are we going to do that sitting in our chairs looking at our devices? But, oh man, it is so working, and it's all like Donkey Kong. And so I am sold, and I am going to do some more things. But one of the things that's my heart's desire and passion to do this year is to do a program for folks who experience intense emotional upset, extreme anger, depression, anxiety, worry, things like that. That's what I'd really like to support people with because it's so, it's so challenging. It's so intense. And uh, many times they just can't figure out how to get out of it. And with Finding Freedom and Masterful Living, I've helped so many people do that. And I get that not everybody wants to take a boot camp for 90 days and really work the whole program and I get that not everybody wants to do masterful living for a year and transform you know their whole way of looking at the world but many people do wish to stop feeling depressed and angry and anxious and guilty and ashamed and letting the emotions run their life so that's always part of finding freedom in masterful living but I'm going to um do a program just on the emotions and I'm very excited about that finding freedom by the way my boot camp I'm doing all new classes so normally it's pre-recorded doing them live all new classes come jump in of course we have payment plans classes start July 5th so and self-deception eliminating self-deception is integral to this healing work that we do in our classes and our programs it it is the willingness to look at the truth and that's what people are finding in stop playing small that they must let go of the self-deception the hiding from themselves and one of the key ways or key ways that we do that self-deception is through blaming others and holding others responsible for our choices and our decisions. And even our decisions as a child, right? we still can say, look, I did the best I could as a child, but I did blame my decisions 
on other people. And now I have to say, okay, I, I made these decisions and I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. Right? The prayer from the end of chapter 5 that I call the parent's prayer. So I, I, I feel now that I can, you know, in, in looking at the past, we can say, okay, I can see that my experience with my parents triggered this belief that I brought into this lifetime with me to heal. So while I've been blaming my parents for how I feel and the choices I've made, I can see now that their interactions with me supported me getting triggered to bring this up so I would make new choices and new decisions to undo what I decided in previous incarnation. I've seen this in my own life and it's been so helpful to me. So I can immediately start thanking my parents for helping to bring this in my face to heal because that is part of my script for this lifetime. And if they hadn't triggered me so intensely, I wouldn't be able to work on it with such dedication. They have done me a solid. They have done me a favor. But I never saw it that way till now. So now I can stop blaming them and judging them. I can take responsibility and I can have a vision for my healing. I can put the Holy Spirit in charge because the Holy Spirit doesn't know how to fail. Therefore, I can guarantee myself a complete and total healing. It's not possible for me to fail because I am putting spirit in charge of my healing. Boom. It's amazing. It's miraculous. And it does help to have prayer partners and community to hold on to because it does feel like we're on a big sea with big waves. That's how emotions can be. Big sea with big waves that can take us down, that can drown us, that can literally become so big that we would just be wiped out. That's how it is with buried emotions. It's intense. So that's why I'm all about the group healing. Or at least working with somebody else. That's why I love having a spiritual counselor. I'm not on my own. Someone I can be completely transparent with. Someone who has the wisdom to help me. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. The thing that has been most helpful to me in the healing of my mind is my willingness. The second most helpful thing is my willingness 
to partner with my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. That's it. Having spiritual friends that are willing to be totally transparent and do the deep healing work and not self-deceive. This is how we eliminate the fear. So, as soon as we are no longer willing to deceive ourselves, we're going to notice that people in our life stop deceiving us too. I can give you an example of um, a counseling client that came to me um, recently and said uh, uh, he he had had these, in our session, he had had these revelations, tremendous revelations of insight. And, um, and then, uh, and he wrote them down. I could see him writing them down, right? Meeting on Zoom, could see him writing them down. And then, came back to me a month later for another session following up. And uh, uh, in the previous session, he had made some decisions, commitments to himself, to his life, to spirit. And so when he came back, I said, so how was it living inside those commitments this past month? And he looked at me and he said, commitments? What commitments? I said, the ones that uh, you wrote down in that, that notebook you have right there. <laughs> and he said, uh, oh, gosh, I, I don't even remember. I said, well, look them up. I'm, I'm, I know you wrote them down. So he, he, he looked them up and he went, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember now. Yep, I have not lived inside these commitments. I have not. I'm like, well, that's what self-forgiveness is for. So live and learn. Let's see what we can we can discover today. So what's going on with you? And then he proceeded to spend the next hour telling me how the people in his life had betrayed him. So then I said, can you see that in a sense you let yourself down by not keeping your commitments? And then for the past month, people in your life reflecting that back to you they're mirroring your lack of commitment back to you so that you can feel on a deeper level level what it is to feel abandoned betrayed deceived and can you also see that in all of this no real harm has been done it's just experience and your future and your feelings depend on the meaning you make of it. So if you're willing to take responsibility for the seeming betrayals and, and uh, lack of commitment you're experiencing from your friends, your family, your job, and say, ah, they are reflecting back to me my own relationship with myself, got it. Now, I'm going to see these commitments that I wrote down a month ago. Do I still have an interest in them? Do I need to reorganize them? And can I actually commit to them now? Is my commitment real? 
Because one of the things I see all the time is spiritual students, they say they have intention about something. They say they're willing. But when they're triggered, when it's a little difficult, when they don't feel like it, their commitment is gone. Just gone. Their intention is non-existent. And I feel that. I can feel, oh, wait, 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 wait. Ooh, I, I was letting my commitment slide. That's why I was getting so upset. Ah, my willingness. Grab it back. Oh, I do have willingness. I do, I do. I'm not going down that slippery slope. Been down there. I've been bruised and battered and torn from sliding down that slippery slope. I am not sliding it again. Uh-uh. And I'm not going to deceive myself that I was pushed. No, I jumped. I jumped. <laughs> I wasn't pushed. I jumped. And, 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 and. And people have easier and more difficult times of it. Right? Someone who was traumatized intensely as a child is going to be a different experience. And still, we can recover. We can recover. Indeed, we can. It's a choice. Finding the freedom in our heart, in our mind, in our life, in our experience is a choice that we make to put the Spirit in charge. And to give up our judgments. All judgments are self-deception. All judgments are self-deception. And we can be safe from self-deception. And the other thing is, and this uh, comes from the, uh, uh, what you call it, the uh, manual for teachers right in the beginning, in the introduction. Paragraph 5, Jesus says, The self-deceiving must deceive, for they must teach deception. What else is hell? The self-deceiving must deceive, for they must teach deception. And what else is hell? Think of the times, I used to do this. Somebody would say, are you okay? I'm fine. You don't seem fine. I'm fine. Why not just say, somebody says, are you okay? I'm not okay. And right now, I appreciate your interest. I think it's best for me to just stay inner focused. All right, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Thank you. I appreciate that. I will. Or maybe, thank you, I appreciate that. Right now, I'm feeling like I just want to hide in my cave. (laughs) Honesty. Honesty. We don't have to be happy, bright, and shiny people all the time. We don't. It's okay to be upset. It's okay. It's not a spiritual failure. 
It's a learning experience. We're on an adventure. So self-forgiveness is the way. Yes. Look, I would just like to say, I'd love to have you join me in finding freedom. Now is the time for my finding freedom from fear. People tell me all the time that they they put it off and put it off. They say they're going to do it and then they just, oh, they let it slip away. Don't do that this time. Come join me. Finding freedom is getting ready to start. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude, hands on our heart. We are grateful and thankful that love is what we are, and that's all we're teaching. Love, love, love. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.